The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to another episode of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you're not already, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. Follow us over on Twitter at Tag the Roll. And of course, follow us over on our playback account. We just surpassed 300 subscribers. We really appreciate that. We had a really fun stream uh, unveiling the selection show bracket 
um, during the selection show, I should say, unveiling the bracket. Uh, and appreciate everybody who came out. We are going to be doing another one tonight. It'll be the day before when this comes out tomorrow. So, uh, but we're going to be watching the Pitt Mississippi State game, which we're very much looking forward to. But point being, we will be doing basically a playback every day uh, of the tournament. So be on the lookout for that. Be sure to join us. We are having a blast over there. We're always taking questions, um, always talking ball, always having fun. Zach Milner, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Uh, it's been a day, not the yeah. best, to be honest. Um, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to talking about this. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Hopefully, it gets better for you. But, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. I want to echo what Mark was saying about everyone who has tuned into our playbacks. Really appreciate you all for that. It's been a really fun time, and yeah, we we are going to try do this every single day for every single day there's actual games being played in the tournament um and if we do miss a game here and there so be it but we will be doing a large majority of the day so stop by whenever you get a chance it will be a lot of fun we haven't really talked about what times we're doing this thursday friday and next week if we're going to be doing it during the day or just more for the later games. so we're still figuring that out but just keep an eye on the look Keep a lookout out for um, our tweets on either of our accounts or the Tiger Rule account because we're tweeting it out all the time. And yeah, it's always a fun time. Yeah, so we are here today to do our um, kind of preview of the tournament. We're, it's just going to be a little bit more of a quick hitter. We're definitely going to do um, more in-depth pods as the as the tournament goes on. Excuse me, because there are actually a lot of really good prospect matchups that can happen here, which is part of what we're going to talk about today. Just some things that primarily in the first weekend, but also projecting and previewing out a little bit. Um, but I want to start by talking about transfers because the transfer portal opened this week. An absolute shit show so far already. Um, shout out to Division One coaches who are always making things exciting. Uh, just to list off some of the names that pop off immediately, uh, particularly more from a high major standpoint, J.J. Starling, uh, Notre Dame freshman, has announced that he is transferring to Syracuse, which that was kind of a, a not really a surprise because he's from Syracuse area, but it's still surprising to see after, you know, Bayheim has already left and um, how that's going. Elijah Fisher, uh, top 25 recruit who was a freshman at Texas Tech this year, is transferring out. Sky Clark, who we were we knew was going to transfer out, but has made it official from Illinois and has already been in contact with Arkansas, Primo Spears. Uh, from Georgetown, Big Eddie Lampkin out of TCU, which this one, like, it doesn't seem significant. Eddie Lampkin was really big to TCU's tournament run last year. Um, it's been really important for them when playing throughout the year. Obviously, has missed the last couple of weeks due to you know just being out for, I believe he said that he's sending out just for mental health and personal reasons. Um, and now he's transferring, so he's not going to be on the team. Uh, obviously, thoughts are, are with him. Hope that everything can be out okay on his end, but that's a big loss for TCU. Uh, Devin Ree, who did not really play much for Louisville this year, but was a top 100 recruit who played at Oak Hill. Um, I am a very big fan of his as a prospect moving forward. Interested to see where he lands. Also on the Louisville front, Kamari lands transferring, which it will be interesting to see where he goes. Things just never quite hit for him this year or anything at Louisville for that matter. Um, but lastly on the Louisville front, Dennis Evans committed there, uh, which is absolutely huge. I mean, Kenny Payne has built a pretty enticing class for this next year. It'll be interesting to see how they round things together. But yeah, that is a, that's a lot to throw at you, Zach. Takeaways. Anything else you yeah. want to add to transfers? Well, I just wanted to add a few more under the radar guys that um, have entered the portal. 
There's Deshondre Washington from New Mexico State. I'm pretty sure he has also declared for the draft. So I think it's more of one of like some of these people will declare for the draft and enter the transfer portal, get feedback and decide if they're going to be transferring or entering. But he's someone who's pretty intriguing. He is a pretty rough finisher, but he has decent size, decent handles, flashes of shooting. But um, yeah, the, the the finishing around the rim has been pretty rough with him, but he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. James White and Amari Abram, both from Ole Miss, are in the portal. James White is someone that I thought showed some good flashes last year um, at Ole Miss. Thought he could break out this year, especially after their like exhibition games or their overseas tour this summer. He looked good there. Didn't end up breaking out this year. He entered the portal. I'm excited to see where he goes, as well as Amari Abram. And then Nate Calmese from Lamar, Zach Austin from High Point are two um, very under-the-radar players who are into the portal as well. But yeah, that's all I have to add on some extra players. Um, I know that we will be getting a lot more transfer news over the next few weeks and months, and you and I will probably do a much more in-depth pod in the future about best transfers or where we want to see them fit or all that kind of stuff. So we don't need to get too in depth into it now. Um, do you want to head over to the tournament already and just talk about um, our next four weeks of our life pretty much <laughs> with, the, with the tourney? Yeah, we have a lot to dive into. I, I, I you know, I just I gave us a couple initial questions to dive into. Um, so let me look at these. Uh, I just have to say to a friend of mine, just DM me that UConn Rudy Gay jerseys are now available on the UConn team store. So uh, that's the most exciting thing that I've heard in weeks. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, for anybody who knows, I love Rudy Gay. It's uh, insane. But uh, yeah, so looking at the brackets, I want to ask you right off rip, what was your reaction uh, overall to what the brackets ended up being, how the brackets shaped up? Um, did you have any strong takeaways before we dive into questions? Um, Not not really any strong takeaways like a few teams didn't make it that I thought could make it or some teams are a little bit underseated but like nothing nothing too nothing too strong on that and honestly um I'm just more excited I, I know like making brackets and seedings all that's really tough and I know there's a lot more that goes into it with like they're trying to get them into certain regions as well like the top teams and all that kind of stuff so I don't try to look at that too much um i'm just excited to see the certain prospect matchups that we might get throughout the tournament how yeah. about you no i totally agree i don't think i had any super super strong takeaways um other than let, i mean let's just get into this which bracket do you think is the hardest out of the entire because I, I have i have one select them and should just see if you feel the same so i think it's it's tough for like when you're looking at it from a specific team like i think I don't think the South is particularly strong, to be honest. But if you look at like the bottom half of the South, where you have like Arizona, Baylor, and Creighton all in that, with like an NC State and Missouri, and then you look at the South, like the the upper half of it, you have just like Alabama, and then it's Virginia, San Diego State, Maryland. So like I don't think the South is particularly strong, but like the lower half, like the the road for Arizona or Creighton or Baylor to get to the end. Um, is pretty difficult, I feel like, while for Alabama, it's more on the easier side. Um, so in terms of just like overall region strength of the region, um, I think I want to go with the, I think I'd go with the West, but I'm not like 100% confident there. I think um, 
Yeah. Where, where are you at with that? Yeah, you stole my answer. I would go with the West. Um, I think I look at a. I mean, Kansas obviously is the reigning national champion. I think we've both felt at points this year that they've been the top team in college basketball. Obviously, it hasn't fully always gone out that way. I think they're going to be very matchup dependent, um, just based on what some of their strengths and weaknesses are. Arkansas, Illinois, like obviously there is no easy eight nine. I think Arkansas, Illinois is probably the toughest eight nine that a one seed has to deal with, in my opinion, coming out of this. Like compared to compared to Maryland, uh, West Virginia, which I still just don't think West Virginia should have made the tournament. I'm going to say that for forever. Um, Iowa Auburn is like, eh, like Chris Murray does stuff. Iowa's offense can hit, but I think even like FAU is good. Memphis can be solid, but like, again, I think I continue to look at Arkansas, Illinois is like, that's a very difficult one. And also like Howard is good. I know they're a 16 seed. Howard is a very good team. And I'm interested to see that. We'll talk more about that one later, but like, then you're just like, all right, UConn, VCU and St. Mary's are both very difficult matchups for teams. If you get the wrong matchup with what their ability to, to muck things up defensively can be TCU. I don't want to say that they're underseeded at the six, but like, We've seen TCU really be able to put it together for strides this year. Again, with the right matchups, I think that team feels understated at times. Gonzaga has obviously gone quiet, as they always do during WCC play, but their guards kind of figured some shit out, like, and that was monumental to them becoming a better team. Um, I think this team is better than people probably realize from what they were earlier in the year. And then you have UCLA. Like, that's that's a really difficult bracket. I think, like, to me, I look at this one – this is the one where I view it probably the hardest for the one seed to get to the final four. Um, so that's why I ended up choosing this one. Yeah, I personally, so I don't think that, I think my top two teams for a majority of the year have been Houston and Alabama. Um, I think like the first couple weeks of the season, I thought it was Kansas, but I have backed off of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think it's Bama or Houston, but yeah, I think this is an interesting one. Um I, I think that, like you mentioned, um, I, I've I've had my Gonzaga concerns this year, and we've talked about it on our previous episodes of this pod, but they have looked really, really good recently. And sometimes it's all you really need to do is get hot at the right time, and that's what they have looked like recently. So while I have been lower on Gonzaga this year than I have in years past, they are getting hot at the right time. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, UCLA is a really good two seed. Um, and then that eight nine matchup is tough. UConn has had their ups and downs this year, like you mentioned as well. But that could be like they're they're a tough four seed, even though they have their flaws. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting region to keep an eye on for sure. Never forget when people were crowning Illinois a Final Four contender uh, about a month into the season. Like that's I think that's what's so interesting about this bracket. Like there are legitimately like six or seven teams that all felt like again. Like I think just the like. With the Kansas part, I meant like earlier in the season. Part of yeah. it, I was higher on them than you were too. But but, but you're right. Like Arkansas, like, yeah. Illinois, UConn, they all had some ridiculous starts to the season yeah. where everyone was like, oh, this team might be like a top 10, top 15 team. And then obviously Arkansas has dealt with injuries. Um, Illinois just has not been able to be a consistent team. Um, UConn has run into some flaws as well. So they have all fallen Ooh. off. But where they were early in the year, it's it's really interesting to look at it from that perspective. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so going into our next question, who because we kind of hit on it a little bit, who do you view as the most underrated seed? Yeah, for me, 
I would say Creighton, honestly. Um, not that they are under – it's tough. because I don't think they're under-seeded because they did have, like, talk better, missed time, and they did look rough during that stretch. So, like, once you're losing games, it's tough to really say you're under, under-seeded. They – weren't this top team all year round, but when Ryan, when Ryan Cockbenner has been healthy, they actually have looked like a top 10, 15 team in my eyes. Yeah. So getting them as a six seed, I think is one of the toughest. Um, I think they're the best six seed in the tournament. I know people can make the case for TCU. I personally would go. I would take that Creighton, side. Yeah. Yeah. I would take Creighton. Um, so yeah, I would say they're an underrated six seed, but I think most people also realize that, um, they are underrated because of that Cockbender um two or three weeks that he missed. Yeah. I, I, I just have a couple that I'll do quick hitter because I totally agree with Creighton. I didn't choose them because I thought you might choose them. Um, I will throw out immediately. I think Penn State, just based on how hot they've been over the last month, how well they played in the Big Ten tourney. Um, and like again, like I think in the same vein of what you're saying, like I don't know that that necessarily means that they're underseeded, but in terms of like playing out of the spot that they're at, I think they could do more damage than they're probably being viewed as. I would add Missouri to that as well. Like I know that they cooled off a little bit towards the end of the year, but this team, especially for some team for the way that they play, could really give teams some problems. And I feel like I'm not betting on them to make like some run to the Elite Eight, but I don't think that's insane. Um, like, I think that that will end up being like a probably pretty popular pick that ends up being an upset team. Um, and lastly, I mean, it's the obvious one. I think it's Duke because Duke has played extremely well over the last month, but they have a really hard first weekend, uh, and a half. Mm -hmm. The Oral Roberts game will be a lot of fun. And then. We'll see if Tennessee is able to win that first game, but the most likely scenario is they're playing Tennessee in that uh, second game, which is not easy whatsoever either, even without Zakai Ziegler. So yeah, yeah, they they definitely have a tough road. Like they could be going Oral Roberts, Tennessee, Purdue, and then you might get Marquette or something, and that's just to get to the Final Four. Yeah, so. like wow, what if we just played like the most difficult matchups possible for us? Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting with that. Um. Lastly, on questions before we get into some more of the analysis, who are your final four picks? All right. Um, so like I said earlier, I think I think Houston and Alabama are my top two teams in the country. So I'm just going to stay and ride with them, um, especially because I don't think either of them have too difficult of a road there, to be yeah, honest. I think Alabama probably has the easiest one seed path too. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's probably a little bit tougher or a little bit easier than houston um but i don't think it's much easier and then as the east i've been struggling you know what we're gonna we're gonna go with marquette there um i don't feel 100 confident in them i do think they're a team that can get upset um they do have some inconsistencies and some flaws and i think like if usc is able to beat michigan state in the first game like i would not be surprised if usc beats marquette that second game either if you got a good boogie ellis game um we'll talk about that potential in a little in a little bit but yeah i'll go marquette in that region and then in the west i really want to say UCLA it's really tough with the Jalen Clark injury and we not and we're not sure what's up with Bona but they have been so good all year and 
even in that Pac-12 championship game, they looked really good against Arizona without those two. Um, I think I'll, 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 I'll rock with UCLA in that one as well. So I'll say Houston, Alabama, Marquette, and UCLA. Okay. Um, what about you? So, yeah, out of the South, I would have Bama and Creighton in the Elite Eight, and I would take Bama over Creighton. Um, in the Midwest, I would have Xavier and Houston making the Elite Eight, and I would take Houston. Uh, in the West, I'm going to have Kansas and Gonzaga making the Elite Eight, and I would take Kansas. Um, and then in my controversial pick in the East, I'm going to have Purdue and Marquette in the Elite Eight, and I will take Purdue. I just have a feeling about Purdue this year. I know everybody wants to say, well, Matt Painter can't get it done. I don't know. I just I have a feeling about this team this year. I will probably end up being wrong, but that is my pick. Yeah, no, I think if I were to, weren't to go Marquette, I do think I would have went Purdue. I think it's a tough one. I do think they have not like the easiest road, but there's a lot of like, I think that region could have a lot of chaos in it to where they might just get some easier matchups um compared to what like other other uh regions might get so yeah we'll be interesting to see and and who knows maybe i'll change my opinion by by the time thursday comes around yeah most definitely um well yeah let's just do current prospect matchups in the first weekend so round of 64 and round of 32 do you want to just go back and forth on them yeah let, let's just go back and forth and yeah for everyone we'll mostly do first weekend matchup so it doesn't necessarily have to be game one it could be game two assuming both two both teams win uh, majority of the ones that i've seen will just be game one just because it's easier that way first let's start off with the most obvious one um actually no we'll come back to that one i want to start off with the actual baylor uc santa barbara matchup i'm really interested to see how the baylor guards um keontae george adam flagler and lj crier and just the guards in general look against AJ Mitchell. Um, and I want to see how AJ Mitchell is able to defend those guards as well. I think AJ Mitchell is not some like crazy prospect on Santa Barbara, but I think he is someone who is at least intriguing and worth keeping an eye on, whether it's probably not someone who enters the draft this year, but just down the line, someone to keep an eye on. He is a really, really good finisher um, when he gets to the room and he gets to the room a decent amount as a guard. The, the question surrounding his game is he's not the best shooter, and that's a little bit tough. Maybe if he were to play with better ball handlers and better decision makers, he actually would find himself getting more easy looks, and that could help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's not a great shooter, and not that he's like really, really small, but he doesn't have the best size either. So those are the two concerns about his game. What make it tough? Like when, you, when you're a guard and you don't and you can't shoot and you don't have like plus size, it's 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 pretty tough to, to succeed. Um, but yeah, he's someone to keep an eye on 100%. He's a good player, definitely a prospect um, to some extent. And I want to see how he is able to um, defend those Baylor guards. And I think he's a good defender. So I want to see how Keontae is going to be able to attack him as well. Yeah, no, I like that. I think I'm, I'm in the same boat. I have not seen a lot of UC Santa Barbara, but um, part of what I'm excited about is getting to see them play uh, and, and see them play against a team like this. The next one I will go to, uh, and this is more of a random shot, but I really want to see Chris Murray against Auburn's front court. Like Auburn's front court isn't amazing, but they do have a lot of size, a lot of length, a lot of versatility, like Nye Broom, Jalen Williams, Johan Traore. Like I think that there's a lot to be excited about and like what does that look like in in how, especially with how Chris scores, like 
obviously not quite in the same way as Keegan, but it's a lot of, all right, I'm going to attack you off drives. I'm going to attack you off of, off of cuts and be active on the glass. And I do think it's a little bit harder to do that against Auburn than some of the, the front courts that he played against in the big 10. So we're, or maybe not even harder, but just different. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. Yeah. And I guess going off of that, if Iowa is able to win that Auburn matchup, them playing Houston would be yeah. even more intriguing for me to see Chris Murray go against Houston and get him against Jairus Walker and and these kinds of even more physical defenders and, and that length and that athleticism that Auburn has. But I think Houston just has it to another level. And seeing, like, if if he comes out of that Auburn game and everything still translates in that game and he plays well and he comes out and does it again against Houston. I find, I think that will be really, really impressive. And yeah, two game sample size is a small sample size, but those are where some of the questions around his game could come. Is it going to translate with how he plays? And those are two of the better teams that you can ask to see him against. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the Houston matchup, like that could be really exciting. Uh, and for on the inverse of that too, like watching Jarris against Iowa, like I think that part of what's fun about that is like there's, I mean, a lot of Jarris's role is attack space and and make things happen, and there's a lot of space to attack and make things happen with playing against Iowa. So I feel like that could be a really exciting game for just watching him kind of pop off a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree with that a hundred percent. Let's go to the one that probably everyone's going to talk about probably Creighton NC state. Everyone thinks that's going to be one of the best games from a basketball perspective, as well as a prospect perspective. So we can probably go a little bit deeper into this one for me. I'm interested in seeing um, how, how Turk does against Turk Smith does against like Trey Alexander on the perimeter, but also if he is going to attack the basket, um, how is he going to be finishing against Ryan Cockburner's room protection or how is Cockburner going to be able to defend the pick and roll where Jarkel Joyner or Turk Smith or the ball handlers, because they have two really dynamic guards. How is Cockbender going to be the big in that instance? Um, there's definitely a lot more to talk about in this game, but what, what do you think about this game? Yeah, no, I agree. Cause I think this is a real, I, I would view this almost more as a bigger test for Turk Smith than for anybody on Creighton, because I think uh, with what Cockbender sets up and how NC state plays, I think that this is a really interesting matchup just for him to kind of show what he can do like how does how does he attack the paint how does he try and handle some of that length what does that look like for him um because it could be one of the games where he really pops but it could also be one of the games where he looks pretty terrible if things don't go right um not that i think he'll look terrible but like you get what i'm saying like i think this could be a it could end up an ugly game for him if nc state kind of struggles to get things going yeah that is true that is true but um as much as you and i both have talked about we like Crayon this tournament NC State does have, obviously, Terry Smith and Jarkel Joyner, and having that kind of guard play, like, aside from a, a prospect perspective, just having that kind of guard play in the tournament in March is so valuable to where you can see Turk and, and Jarkel combine for 40 or 50 points, and they beat Creighton in the first round. Like, NC State, they have their flaws. They're not some great team or anything, but I do think they are the scariest 11 seed in this whole tournament. And it sucks for Creighton, who we think is the best six seed. They don't have that easy first, that first weekend game. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying where this is going to be a really big test for Turk. But yeah, on the other end, like I mentioned, Cockbrenner versus those two. But also I want to see how how Paluma and, and Nemhard 
and Shireman and Trey Alexander all look as well. I think there's just a lot of fun things to look forward to in this game. Yes, I agree. Um, where do you want to go to next? Um, one quick thing I'll touch on. I don't know if you have more to say. I think Indiana versus Kent State is going to be really, really fun as well. Um, Kent State played Houston and Gonzaga very well this year. And the the matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing the most is because of Jalen Hutchifino. I want to see him go up against Sincere Carey. And I think them going at each other and how how Jalen Hutchifino, will he be able to create good looks for himself or for teammates against his Kent State defense? That is the thing that I'm most looking forward to seeing in this game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Especially too, like Kent State blitzes ball screens a lot. So I'm interested to see how Indiana handles that because they haven't been great at handling at handling that throughout the year. I think any team that has been able to really throw a lot of pressure at them has been able to muck up Indiana's half-court offense. So what does that look like is very interesting. Like this is a really good opportunity for, for Jalen. And then, you know, going off that too, like getting to play Miami the next round, if that's what happens. Like I think that that is an extremely good opportunity to see what Jalen Hutchifino can do against like a really top flight defensive team. Yeah. And back to this Indiana Kent state game with trace Jackson Davis. I'm not, I think he shouldn't have too much problems in this game, to be honest, but um, what could happen is this, the Kent state defense makes it really tough for Indiana to throw those post entries to get the ball to trace Jackson Davis in good positions and that might make it tough. So I think once he gets the ball, he'll be able to get what he wants for the most part. But Kent State's going to have to need to find a way to deny him the ball, make it tough for them to get him the ball in good spots. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. And especially, too, like, how do they get him attacked in the middle of the floor? I feel like they've been at their best almost when they're able to get him facing up and attacking in the middle of the floor than necessarily just straight up post up. So what does that look like? Um, it should be a fun game. Like, this Kent State team is good. Like you mentioned, it's not yeah. just – it's not just like they were good in the Mac. Like the Mac legitimately could have had three teams make the, the NCAA tournament. I think it's like close enough. Like Toledo was really good. Kent State, obviously very good. Um, there's stuff to be excited about here. I'm very excited for what this match Yeah, I, I'm happy Kent State was a team that came out. Just kind of do think they are the most fun team to watch and they can give up. They can they can bring the biggest fight. So I'm excited for that. Um if anyone has time to go back and watch those Gonzaga or Houston games were, were really fun to watch and definitely highly recommend that one. Definitely. Um, which one do I have next? Uh, I am very excited for Kansas in their first two rounds. Um, just because I think these are difficult games for Kansas or at least potentially stylistically difficult games for Kansas. Like, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, like Howard has a lot of length. Um, and ability to be pretty aggressive defensively. And I think that, I mean, again, we have seen teams struggle is the wrong word, but like, I do think like Kansas, it really can be difficult for them to work in the half court. If they're, if, if they have to deal with some of the switching and just ability to bring two to the ball that other teams can bring. Um, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. Um, so my question for you is, I know you said both Arkansas and Illinois will be an interesting matchup for Kansas. If you had to pick one, which which one would you like to see more in terms of better setting to evaluate Grady Dick, 
and Jalen Wilson. And I don't know if we've gotten an update on Kevin McCuller. I know he didn't play that last game because of a back issue, I think it was. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we've gotten an update there. But I guess for Grady and Jalen, would you rather see them go against Illinois or rather see them go against Arkansas? That's tough. I think I would say I think I would say Arkansas because I at least know what Arkansas is going to bring defensively, even if I have we know what that offense is going to look like yeah. for the most part. Because Illinois is just like part of what's so difficult about evaluating Illinois. This is like they could look like that team that looked like a second weekend team for for part of the year, or they could bow out pretty easily in the first round. So I think it's just kind of it depends on what you're getting. Um, so I think I'd rather see them against Arkansas. I agree. I I think like there's chance for an Illinois Kansas game to actually be more exciting to watch. But from a prospect perspective and an evaluation setting, I do want to see. Kansas go up against the Arkansas defense and see how they are able to to go about that. Um, yes. On the other end, though, I do I would I would really like to see like Terrence Shannon Jr. go against Kansas. Though I, I would really love to see like if we do get that Illinois Kansas matchup, I would love to see how he goes about that. Um, Especially too, Terrence had some amazing games against Kansas when he played at Texas Tech. So like that would be even more fun. Get it, getting to see him watch it like watching him and Kevin McCuller play against each other would be like the end of Revenge of the Sith when Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting. Um, so like that would very much be cool. It'll just play Duel of the Fates in the background the entire game. Um, I'd be very on board with that. Yeah, at the same time though, like you can't complain if you get Anthony Black and Nick Smith against these against Kansas as well, right? So I'm with you. I had I had this I I had this second game of, of Kansas first winner of that game is definitely going to be towards the top of my um round of 32 games to watch whenever that comes around definitely do you have any other ones you want to throw out yeah i have a a few more actually um well obviously we didn't even talk about the arkansas illinois playing against each other like that's obviously going to be really fun as well but we've already talked about those players a little bit so we don't need to go too in depth there um i want to see how jalen slauson and Furman look against virginia I think that they might be able to give Virginia a little bit of trouble as well. But I also just want to see how Slauson looks against Virginia's defense, like in general. And Slauson is someone who is a really good defensive playmaker. He's a good finisher, has a little bit of shooting flashes. He's a good passer. Like he does a lot of what you what you want to see. So just seeing him do this against better competition is pretty much all you can really ask for from him right now, um, along with the shot continue to fall. And there's a chance for if they beat Virginia, I mean, I guess they'd only have San Diego State or Charleston in the next round. So it might not be like the I, I think they're both really good teams, but I, I would have liked to see him play another high major team. But but either way, like I, I like to see Jalen Slauson. We'll talk about some guys who have some rising potential at the end of this pod. But I do think he is someone who has a good game, game one and or game two. And people are talking about him much more. Yeah, I agree. Um other like just kind of quick hitter ones I want to see. Um, I would really like to see Tyler Kolak versus Michigan State with how Michigan State plays defense. Um, because like not that I think Kolak's gonna be like some first round guy, but I do think he's somebody who could really get talked into being like a mid or early second guy if he really plays well in the tournament, especially like going back and watching more and more of Marquette. He really does pop, he's just such a steady guard. And I think that's a lot of what people are looking for in a backup. And I've been more and more open to who he could be as an NBA player. Not that he, I, I don't know if he's going to necessarily come out in this draft, but um, I, I am interested to see that, especially with how much pressure Michigan state can put on ball handlers um, and how close they often play their bigs to the level of the screen. I would be really interested to see what that looks like. 
Yeah. Um, a few other ones I will say from a prospect perspective is DeVries versus Miami in the Drake Miami game. I really like, I think Drake's a good team, but I think Miami is also pretty underrated and they're really, really good. So this game is one that I think like a lot of people are talking about how it can be like this awesome game, which I think it does have potential to. I probably am a little bit higher on Miami to where I don't think, um, Drake will be able to pull off the upset. Who knows? Maybe they do. But overall, how DeVries is able to get into a shot against this Miami defense will be pretty interesting. Um, he can get hot on any given night, whether it's from three or the mid-range. Um, and he does take some tough shots. But they have, like, Jordan Miller is an awesome defender. And I'd like to see that matchup at times. Um, do we have an update on Norchad Omir? Because if, if I do if not, he doesn't play, I'm a lot less confident in Miami. Yeah, I overall, agree with that. But... I, I I agree with that 100. Um, I do not think I've seen a recent update as of now, so that is definitely something that is worth noting. Um, but yeah, that's another one that I'm interested in looking at. And then one last one from a prospect perspective is, um, A Smith versus Duke. I guess you can just bring that into just an overall fun game as well. Oral Roberts versus Duke. And how is the, he's a nuclear shooter. He will pull up from 30 feet out of the pick and roll in transition off the catch, like off an offensive rebound kick out. He will pull up from wherever if you have a hand down. And how um, is Duke going to defend that Ace Miss Vanover pick and roll? Um, that will be really, really interesting. Not that Ace Miss is some guaranteed pick either but i do think he is a prospect of some sort yeah no i like that um on the duke front i'm interested to see duke versus tennessee potentially um i think yeah. like yeah, again like you mentioned even with the kaiser out yes but i think my bigger thing is going to be more how do these guys look offensively against tennessee because tennessee yes. is just like even even if their offense is in the mud which i think should be expected like they are still so good defensively with so much size and i think that's the kind of team that I think could really bother Duke in their prospects. Small, small sample size, but actually Tennessee's, I think two games without Zakai has been like from a number perspective, two of their best offensive games. If I, I remember seeing that correctly, don't quote me on that, but I do think I saw that, um, but small sample size regardless, but I'm with you. I think we've mentioned it on here before and on our playbacks and we just love seeing prospects go up against this Tennessee defense, regardless. Like it's always a good setting to see them. Like it was fun to see Case and Wallace go up against them. And it'll be fun to see Filipowski and Derek and, and, and them. I'm not too big of a fan of Mark Mitchell, but just seeing him there as well. Um, <laughs> not a hater, but okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just I'm seeing people you. go up against Tennessee's defense is always fun to watch. So like, it doesn't have to stop at Duke like, throughout the whole tournament. Whenever you get someone against the Tennessee defense, I think is going to be a, an interesting game to watch. Definitely. And I, I'm going to change the order of the questions really quick. So we were going to do future potential matchups. So sweet 16 onwards next. I want to do, cause I think this kind of feeds into it a little bit prospects that can most impact their stock during tourney play. Um, because I think right here is a really great point to bring up for, and obviously it's not, it's not one-to-one. -one. It's not for everyone, but I think for guys who have maybe had more question marks this year, who have dealt with injury, um, who have been just a little bit in and out of the rotation, hit and miss. I think that this is a really big opportunity. And this is me basically saying, I think this could be really big for Derek Whitehead. I still am somebody who has just not fallen on him much this year. I know what he's looked like, but I also just, 
based on what we've heard, what's come out. I chalk most of it up to injury. I'm not as worried as I think many have seemed to be with where he ends up getting placed on mocks and boards. Um, but I think he could really reassure some people if he is able to perform well in the tournament, like particularly if, oh, hey, he has a really good game against a difficult Tennessee team and opens some things up for the offense when they really need him to. Or, you know, they're like just I think that there's opportunities for him to really shine in there. So when you look at this, who are some prospects you think could pop? Due to yeah, I have, a, I have a decent amount. Obviously, I mentioned Jalen Slauson earlier. I think someone who is. Um, been really, really good recently, and it will rely on UC, or USC winning the first weekend and getting to a second game. But I think Boogie Ellis is someone who is really under the radar. Where, not to say I'm like some huge Boogie Ellis fan, I do think there are still flaws there on the defensive end, and he's reliant on some really, really tough shot making. But he is also a really talented offensive player who can get hot on any given night. And if he has two really good games in this tournament, um. I can definitely see him as someone who just will boost up stock. Um, but some other guys who like, I think are just, I think Terrence Shannon Jr. And Jordan Miller are two prospects that are better than Boogie Ellis. Maybe they already talked about as better prospects. So I didn't think it was as appealing to answer with those people, but I think Terrence Shannon Jr. Once again, if they have, if they can get to that second game against Kansas and he has a good game there, or if Miami can win a few games, I think Jordan Miller is, is a really, really good player. Um, or one more guy, Amari Bailey with Jalen Clark out. I think Amari Bailey had a really, really good Pac-12 tournament. Looks much more comfortable and involved in the offense as the third option um, with Jalen Clark out and, he he still is passing up some open looks, which is frustrating to watch. But he is doing a really good job with his fi- much better job with his finishing. He's cutting, um, still getting to his mid range and making his shots there. But he is someone who had some struggles and dealt with some injuries throughout the year. But he has looked really good recently, and he has a chance to build on that in this tournament. Yeah, I like all the guys you brought up. I think the only guy that – because I, I just want to hit on Terrence Shannon Jr. again because I think a lot of this is more to expand out on that. Like upperclassmen who really perform well, I think, are guys who might end up rising from this. It, it always happens every year. There's always guys who mm-hmm. go underrated because of that. So, like, even like Colby Jones, if Xavier does have, like, a quote, like an, an Elite Eight run, I think you're talking a lot more about, like, oh, hey, look at this guy who we didn't talk about enough this year who was really good at basketball. Um, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, I think that's a good point with the higher with the upperclassmen. Like that brings up Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller as yep. well. As as for for Kobe Jones, I think he's already getting talked about as like a True. top twenty five guy. So like, do you think he has a good tournament that gets in the lottery? Probably not. Maybe he gets the top yeah. twenty. But I like I think I think the other ones. Um, or like they, okay, if Jaime Hawkins. Well, I guess I don't know. Jaime Hawkins has been like surprisingly sort of, high on some boards. Yeah, I'm. Like for me, I have my helmet hawkers concerns. I don't think like I think he has been really, really good this year, but I do think he has shown that he struggles against size and, and length. And that is something that has looked to be a problem when they play like Arizona or some of these other teams. And that will only be even more relevant in like the NBA, right? So I'm already lower on him than where others are talking about him, but like how he's already talked about by consensus, I think he's already high enough to where I don't know how much higher he can get. Um, but yeah, I, I do think generally those upperclassmen, upperclassmen who have deep tourney runs are the ones to look at and yeah. who can help their stock. 
I have one last name I bring up, and that's Reese Beekman. If uh, if Virginia yes. makes second weekend, I think Reese Beekman sees a pretty big rise in his stock, and I think that would be right. Like I, I like Reese a lot. I definitely like. He's one of the guys where like I'm not saying that he needs to transfer or something, but like I really just wish I could see him in a different offensive system and a team that plays with more pace, um, because it's just like it's saying it's hard to evaluate somebody in Virginia's system is reductive. Like there's always ways to find ways, but. It is like just one of those things, but yes, I would put, I would put him up there for sure. Awesome. So before we move on to matchups in the future, Sweet 16 or non, I just wanted to bring up a couple other games in the first weekend that are not like uh, very fun prospect games, but I just am in, in, excited to see them. Um, San Diego state Charleston, I think is going to be one of the best. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of the best games of the first weekend. I think Charleston is a really fun team. I do think that San Diego state is really good as well. And I I wish Charleston got another matchup because I don't think they actually like as, as fun as I think this game will be, I don't think they match up that well against San Diego state to where I do have some concerns to where like, okay, maybe it isn't this great game that I imagined. Um, but, but Charleston's a really good team where they, they play like nine to t- 11 deep at times. They have, I think six different people averaging like nine or more points. They're just like a deep team who they play hard and, and, and they're good. And I'm excited to see them. They have like three sophomore and Ante Brzovic, Ben Burnham and, the other one's slipping my mind right now, but they're just going to be a fun team to watch against the San Diego state team in, in the first, uh, the first weekend. Yeah, I agree. Both these teams are so good defensively too. They're both top 30 in defensive rating in the country. Like I, and like you mentioned, both play pretty deep. Like it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to this game because I haven't seen enough of Charleston this year. I've seen a decent amount of San Diego state, but do you um, have any other first weekend games? So I have a couple more. Do you have any other ones or no? Yeah, I, I know we've already hit on Indiana and Kent State. That one I'm very excited for. I'm really excited for Texas A&M and Penn State. I know that that's not like a crazy prospect game, but I just think that's going to be a good game, um, which I'm looking forward to. I believe that's tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to St. Mary's and VCU because, again, very similarly to uh, San Diego State and, and, and Charleston, both those teams are just so nasty defensively, play pretty deep. Like, I'm excited about that game. Um, both those teams, too, like, those are teams that I'm interested to see UConn have to match up against. If, well, I'd, I'd imagine UConn's going to be Iona, but like if UConn gets to play against St. Mary's and VCU, those are those are tough matchups for them. Um, do I have another one? Like I, I think those are the two that really stand yeah. out to me. So we've already talked about Duke Oral Roberts. We've talked about um, Creighton NC State. I think that potential Creighton Baylor matchup is really really awesome we haven't touched on that if Creighton and Baylor both win the first game they play each other in that second game on the first weekend and I think for similar reasons to why you want to see Cockbrenner against the NC State guards I think you could want to see Cockbrenner against the Baylor guards um and I just think that I would probably I know you said you're going to have Creighton in the Elite Eight when you mentioned earlier I would probably take Creighton over Baylor as well here um I think Creighton's just a really good team. Baylor's defense has not been what you'd want it to be this year, and that's where a little bit of the flaws come from. But once again, when you have guard play in March, it just takes they, – and they have multiple guards who can go off. It just takes one or two of them to go off, and you can win any game. And if they get hot for five or six games, they can go – they can win the whole thing. But, yeah, I go Creighton there. Um, if USC and Marquette both win their first game, I'm really looking forward to a USC-Marquette matchup. 
We've talked about Kansas versus the winner of Illinois, Arkansas, and we talked about Chris Murray versus um, Houston if Iowa were to win. So I think we are done there. Um, what do you have in terms of Sweet 16 and on? Is there one specific game that you'd like to see the most? Uh, one specific game? Uh, if we could see it, I, I, I kind of really want to see Alabama versus Creighton. Like I would very much love to see that in the in the Elite Eight. I want to see Alabama against Virginia again in the Sweet 16 because we obviously we already saw them play this year. That would be a really fun matchup. Yeah, um, my my one game is going to be boring because it's a repeat. But I want to see Alabama and Houston again, yeah. and I know it will be. Yeah, they're the best two teams, but yeah, they are the best two teams. But with how Brandon Miller has improved over the course of the season, I think since the last time he played Houston, he's looked so much better now. And I want to see him again against this Houston defense. And I want a larger sample size. Sure, two games is still small, but I want to see him against this kind of defense again and and see. He looks so much better with his shiftiness and his craft and his change of pace and his finishing and even the passing is coming together now. So I just want to see him against the best defenses possible. And yeah, I would I would really like to see a, an Alabama Houston matchup again. And I think that would be you get the two best teams in the in the championship, and that'd be pretty fitting. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you have any other ones you want to shout out there? Um, I also agree with you with with the Alabama Creighton. I think um, I think Xavier Texas will be interesting as well. Um, if that were to happen, I think Colby against them could be pretty interesting. But I don't think that's like the extent of the other ones that I mentioned. So I don't think I'm like that excited. I feel like in previous tournaments, I was more excited for matchups than I am this year for some reason. I'm not sure if that's because like. I've mentioned this. I think this is a good class, um, but I do think the the top end of college has been lower compared to recent years to where maybe that plus them not being on the best teams or like them having their injuries or not having the best years has played into me not being excited for the most kind of matchups in the tournament. Not 100% sure, but yeah, um, either way, I'm, I'm just really excited for the tournament in general. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think the last one, that I really want to shout out is I would like to see a Duke Purdue rematch just because easy to forget, but Purdue smacked Duke earlier this year. I think they beat them by 20 at the PKI. Um, so I would obviously Duke completely different team from then, but honestly Purdue is as well. Like, so it's just, I think that would be a very fun game to see again. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, I think, that was it was fun to see Derek Lively against Edie in that matchup. And um would like to see that again. Yes, 100 percent Um what else? I think that about wraps up for us. I think that's it. Like like we talked about before, this wasn't gonna be some crazy in-depth pod of going into every single matchup and everything. It was more of a quick hitter on everything, just so everyone can get an idea of what we're going to be keeping an eye on and what we're excited to see. But after this first weekend, I'm sure you and I will record something early yes, next we week and and talk about what we saw this past this upcoming weekend and what we are forward looking forward to seeing in the following weekend, right? Yes, most definitely. Well, Zach, this was a blast. We'll obviously be back uh, relatively soon. We got a ton of stuff coming up, uh, as do us all with with the tournament starting. Uh, to everyone listening, thank you for listening again. Go sub to our playback if you have not already. Every day. We'll be there every day pretty much. Um, 
this will be coming out tomorrow, so you won't be there for tonight. But tomorrow night, our plan is to hopefully do it again for the first four. We haven't confirmed that yet, but if not, then we will be live definitely Thursday and Friday. Most definitely. Well, thank you for listening, and most importantly, have a good rest of your day.